I want these kids to just know that, hey, I did something that I never thought I could do. I caught that wave. I faced the ocean. I fell. I got back up. And then I think and carry that forward into their adult lives. They should be better humans. Hello and welcome to episode two of the First Light Surf Club Spotlight Sessions. My name is John and today I'm here with Mario, Navy veteran, indigenous Mayan outdoor enthusiast, and the co-founder and executive director of Umar de Clores. Their mission as a nonprofit is to inspire and cultivate diversity, inclusivity, and ocean stewardship through surf therapy, outdoor education, and mentorship to underserved youth and kids of color. So Mario, thanks for coming. Uh, stoked to have you here. If you could just start us off and just maybe share with us a little bit about your background, I think that would be a good place to start. Absolutely. So I feel like the, that was the best intro I've ever had. Um, but so I am an indigenous Mayan. Uh, my family's from Yucatan, Mexico, and they immigrated here um, I was born and raised in Thousand Oaks, California, which is a small little suburb in Ventura County. And then I served five years in the Navy as a medic and got stationed on Camp Pendleton, fell in love with surfing, fell in love with the area. And uh, I've just been here since 2012. So I, that's 10 years now or 11, I guess I'm a Sandy, all of a sudden a Sandy again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, we're glad to have you here. What was it at? What was it like learning to surf later on in life as an adult? Yeah, it was a trip because I didn't really have that connection with the ocean um, growing up, you know, mm-hmm. despite like kind of living near Malibu and things like that. I just was always playing sports and didn't really get that call of the water until I was about 22-ish or whatever when I was down here. And uh, it took a friend to invite me in and mm-hmm. be like super persistent. Like my best friend rider at the time was like, let's go surfing. Like I got a board for you. I got a wetsuit. So like he would take me out here to Oceanside and I'd just get like worked, dude, like whomped and just like go out for 20 minutes at a time and then he'd keep surfing I'd sit on the beach and just stare but something like in me just didn't let me quit you know yeah. kind of a thing like where every time I'd go I'd like spend more time in the water gradually like fell in love with it gradually got more better at surfing I'd say and um yeah it just haven't looked back since it really brought me community it brought me connection to to something bigger than myself and it brought me calmness within myself so it's uh it's uh I'd say it's my north star Anyways. So growing up in Ventura, you're around the ocean. Did you, what was your perspective on surfing at that point? Did you think like it was something that you could be a part of or something that you were interested in or why? It was like, it was pretty much off my radar. Yeah. Um, I'd say culturally growing up in a, a Mexican-American, uh, Mexican household, uh, that it just wasn't something that we envisioned doing. I was always playing soccer growing up in that realm and then yeah, I wasn't super called to it, I'd say. Um, yeah, never, never, ever pictured myself like out there, but I've always loved the water and always loved like any body of water, you know, yeah. for being from Yucatan, it's a land of water. We have like cenotes all over the place, those big cavernous uh, water sinkholes. And essentially all of Yucatan is connected through river channels underneath it. So my people have always just been strongly bonded to the water. Um, so that calling was always there, but not through the, through the vehicle of surfing Mm. and dancing on waves. Mm. And, uh, I feel like it's just an adaptation of like who I've become as a human, like not necessarily indigenous living in Yucatan, but, 
but here in Southern California, I've like found my own adaptation towards yeah. towards keeping that um, nativism alive within me. Um, so I'd say a lot of a lot of indigenous communities were really connected to nature. Yeah. We have it in in our worship songs, in in our culture, and I feel like nowadays that you have to actively go and search to connect with the water or to like connect with with nature and uh, i i do feel like we need to like reintegrate that to be like a way more natural part of the day yeah and i think a lot of what you're kind of talking about with first light club with like getting after it in the morning even though you have work is so important it's like almost like it's like how do you wake up and and worship how do you make wake up and like have this daily ritual of of I don't know, I guess praising something bigger than yourself. And that could be surfing sometimes. Tell me a little bit about the the origin the origination of Unmar de Clores. How did that thought process or your idea kind of concept into your mind? Yeah, so the idea of Unmar de Colores uh came about in just like living in Encinitas and I'd been living there for what, five years and I was living in what is known as like the Latino part of town, which is like by El Nopalito and the 7-Eleven there. And you always see like Mexican-Americans or, or Latinx people like getting ready to go to work and the donuts, like getting in their con- uh, uh, construction cars or their landscaping cars and dipping out for the day. And I'm in those neighborhoods where like people are actively getting ready in the morning. And then instead of going, getting ready for work, I'd go and get ready for my morning surf, right? So I'd be loading up my surfboard Across the street, there was a little uh, Guatemalan family, and the kids would always be out getting ready for school. And I'd see them, we'd wave, they'd wave, and they'd look over in curiosity. And I was like driving away toward the beach, and I was like thinking, as I'd look back in my rearview mirror, like, why didn't I ever see this family at the beach? You know, and that started like spawning that bigger question of why does family like that, that looks like me, that lives a mile away from Swami's, lives a mile away from Cardiff Reef, lives a mile away from San Diego State Beach, like why are they never there enjoying, recreating, connecting? Um, so I didn't want that young family to go through that same process that I had to do, like wait till adulthood, wait till a best friend extends a hand and invites you in. I just wanted to be that mentor and that guide. So from that, like kind of really sparked the idea yeah. of Un Mar de Colores. And then really from there, like everyone else just breathed life into it to develop it to where it's at right now. Yeah. What was that process like? Because I feel like a lot of people have these ideas and passions, but actually going forward and taking that first step and executing it is is a lot. So what, what did that look like for you? There's just like absolute certainty when you have an idea that you're passionate about that you don't really look left or right or behind you're kind of just you know that this is the right thing to do and this is the right time for you to do it and that was really like an an unwavering force with the path for Mar de Colores that I've never like had to second guess myself on the right path like the road is just unfolded in front of me so the momentum just naturally just keeps moving and that's when I know that I'm doing something worthwhile is because I feel like in that space of nonprofit work, like when it can be a bit of a grind, but luckily that there's been so much people that see the good that we're doing that the road just keeps unwinding before us. Yeah. Had you, had you had any experience starting anything like this? So like, how did you even learn to, 
what steps you needed to take to form an organization and that I'm building the the plane as it's fly yeah kind of a deal yeah definitely like never envisioned myself as like a nonprofit leader as a nonprofit like uh, founder and or you know a lot of it just overlaps with like business and like marketing and fundraising and um, outside from like actually doing the work actually doing the programming and it's been really fun and exciting like I can get really lost in it like I sit back and it's like my blank canvas and there's just so many um, layers of, of Mar de Colores like we have we have our youth programming right which is our environmental education our surf therapy lessons for the kids and our mentorship but besides that we have a lot of community initiatives like our our representation matters initiative which is this media um an, an media program that essentially supports black indigenous people of color surfers or artists who want to create more representation in surf media which i'm really passionate about and then we have our our like our just our daily like family community building so we'll do like surf film screenings with like with that primarily focus on BIPOC surfers so that mm-hmm. there's just that community bonding element. Uh, so yeah, I think with, with all that in mind, like I just, I'm really thankful that it all feels, in, I guess, all together, even though it it's all over the place. Like, I guess when you look at it through an intersectional lens, like it all makes sense. Yeah. I think something that really inspires me in seeing you in this position is it is unfolding naturally because it's something that you're so passionate about and have experienced and had like firsthand perspective on so i think i don't know that's just really encouraging to see you chasing this and it's something that's so natural for you thanks i really appreciate that yeah Yeah. it feels good um so how do you go about getting kids into your program we do super grassroots recruiting so i've actually gone to local elementary schools like Paul Ecke, where everyone goes to the farmer's market ad on Sunday yeah. uh, in Lucadia. Uh, I've gone to Paul Ecke Elementary School, been invited by um, a teacher there, Miss Sylvia Pelosi, who actually is uh, Mexican-American, grew up in Encinitas, but essentially a super grassroots approach because she invites me in. I speak to the Latinx PTA meetings, uh, the parent-teacher association meetings. So I'm there making the pitch to the families like, Hey, I'm this long-haired dude who like wants to take your kids out in the water. I'm like, no te preocupes, no tengas miedo. Like, I'll take care of the kids. Like, I explain to them the process, right? And they are. Some of them are like, absolutely. Like, some of the moms are like, I want my daughter in this program. And then some of them are like, what's going on? Like, I think I want this. And it just it takes a lot of like just being. I think that's really important is when you're trying to serve a community. You really need like advocates from that community mm. to help guide that communication style because it's going to be different. Like I don't try to insert myself into onto like the reservation uh, out here in like uh, San Diego and like think that I know those dynamics, mm-hmm. right? So, but I do know like predominantly like Latinx dynamics, so I feel confident in doing those like grassroots recruitment stations. But the kids essentially have come from local elementary schools, and then aside from that, like word of mouth from like the moms kind of spreading the yeah. spreading the news. But the students are from Encinitas, um, Oceanside, Vista, Escondido, and San Marcos. So predominantly North County. What time frame, I guess, has it been? When did you first launch your first initiative? Yeah. So Mar de Colores has been around for three years. So we started in 2020. And actually COVID kind of shaped our programming because at the time, we really couldn't do mass gatherings. So this was never going to be like a hundred person, like get all the kids out in the wave, right? 
it was always going to be small, intimate, and focused. And it was 15 students at a time with 10 volunteers. And that kind of just shaped the, the model of our programming, like starting small, going deep with these kids and working with them for two years so that they actually learn how to surf. They actually learn surf etiquette. They get their own boards. They're like essentially set up to go and enjoy the ocean without us, which mm-hmm. is really important when we talk about empowerment of marginalized communities. And I think like, I feel like the most resistance you get when you hear about people learning to surf from older surfers is that there's no surf etiquette being taught, right? Yeah. And that's why we make a strong emphasis to teach these kids surf etiquette. Yeah. Have you seen the kids transform over those over that time frame being in your program? Yeah, there's definitely a lot, a huge difference from day one to day, uh, what is that, with double 365. <laughs> there's, there's definitely a huge difference from day one to the last day of our second year yeah um and with the students confidence level so you'll see for day one they're coming in they're shy they don't know each other they're afraid of the water they go in belly board for a second get out start playing in the sand but then from the last day of our two-year program right they're grabbing their own board they're already suited up they want to paddle out themselves we're like no you still need us (laughs) they're like this tall right and then we like push them into the wave they want to surf the entire time even when we're on land they're in the water so that confidence level is huge they're enjoying they're they're enjoying the beach they're enjoying the water they're not afraid and i think that's one of the biggest like things that we're proud of as an organization is just creating that sense of Mm self-confidence when it's so important when you're an adult right those things are just like crucial like i feel like I feel like the majority of humans suffer from a lack of like self-love and self-confidence like yeah. in, in from day to day like interactions and I feel like so much stems from just like a, a lack of love or like self-worth and I, I I want these kids to just know that hey I did something that I never thought I could do I caught that wave I faced the ocean I fell I got back up and then I think and carry that forward into their adult lives so they should be better humans. Yeah, so what's the age range that you're primarily working with? Six to 12, so all elementary school kids. The kids' lives are, are changing. How Have you seen the change in the kids' lives affect the parents or their friends or even, like, the community that, that they're in at the school and, like, at large? Yeah, so I'm really proud of the intersectional work that we do by really systemically addressing the problem of these barriers that exist for these families to enjoy the ocean, and that's essentially like it's reshifting culture yeah. so we involve their parents in everything that we do we really do and we have a strong group of parents that really want to get involved so our we call, a lot of the unmar mamas like they cook the lunch they lead the grounding circles they essentially like make sure the kids are there on time they're the ones that force their kids to sign up, you know, because the kids yeah. weren't signing up. It was, the, it was the moms are like, I want my kid to experience something that I could never teach them, you yeah. know. And um, they're just critical in the programming. And they really are what makes Unmar de Colores a familia. Yeah. Like since day one, we've called it the Unmar familia. And the mothers and the parents, I should say, of Unmar de Colores are just like crucial in, in our programming. They're they're always involved and from day one they've just like shown up and really encouraged their kids to get in the water really trusted us with the safekeeping of their kids in a, in a, in a dynamic environment 
which has been like really critical and yeah, really thankful for them. Do you see any of them are mamas getting in the water and trying their hand at surfing? Dude, yeah, actually. Yeah. So that's for the awesome. past two sessions, uh, two of the moms have gone surfing. Oh, that's awesome. It's epic. And then, so we have one mom, um, Bianca and her daughter, Myra, who, uh, who've gone out and then another one, Elizabeth and my, um, Bianca actually let me know that she's one of the, one of the Colores mom that she paddled out with her daughter, like aside from like our programming, yeah. which is huge, right? It's just so important when you're talking about like creating systemic change and actually like what you're doing and your programming, carrying out into these communities and like actually changing the narrative for this family and like the, f the future of the family, like so important but that's all them like we just kind of like set the stage and they're the ones that grab the board and take it out you know so it's really beautiful to see that's so cool um so the kids are learning a lot the parents are learning a lot how do you think this process has what do you think the kids have taught you in return yeah no doubt the kids always teach me a lot like it's funny because it's our third year and as we're getting into our third year this is the first time we've expanded like i have an amazing team of staff ramon yvette and uh pina and they're all just kicking ass and like really like taking one the colotus to the next level and i talked to myself before the summer and i was like i'm gonna sit back a little bit more during these camps and kind of just like let them run it and like you know i kind of want to you know, wean away and then start focusing on bigger picture. And then there I am like day one and this little tyke called Aiko, like didn't want to go surf. And me and her played on the beach while everyone else was trying to surf. And then I was having the best time just picking up rocks, playing in the sand. And she's like, okay, I think I'm ready to surf. Like an hour after that. Yeah. And I was like, really? Let's go surfing, <laughs> you know? And like, so then I'd throwing on my suit as fast as I can and we get her in the water and she has a great time and she surfed just about every other time since. Um, but I, all of a sudden I found myself in the weeds a bit again. Right. And, and that was kind of like a aha moment. Like don't ever think that you're going to be like above the work that you like set off initially to mm -hmm. do. Right. As like a leader, like you always kind of like try to start to pull yourself away, which is really important to see bigger picture. But then like this is the meat and the mission of your work you mm -hmm. need to like be in it and be living it and the kids have really pulled me back into it and there's a strong connection with it and it keeps me super guided right when i'm like kind of envisioning my program programming through their eyes i think that's what's really helped shape my de colores is i'm always wondering like how can we best make this ex how can we make this experience best for the students mm. um and how does this how does our programming look for the students feel for the students are they learning are they are they having a good time and i i mean I, everything that comes to mind is like from some of the inspirations that i have like pablo picasso who tells you it takes a long time to become young i feel mm -hmm. like you just kind of like always like when you're on the beach with the kids you see how much they're enjoying and having fun and you're like yeah like it's so funny that you like go from being young trying to be an adult and then once you become a doll you're like Actually, I just want to be like whatever I want to be. I want to be goofy. I want to be fun. I want to ride waves all the time. And like, so it really does take a long time to like decondition yourself mm -hmm. from like what everyone's trying to tell you to be, you know, and just be whatever and be goofy, relentless, fun, you know, just enjoy yourself and love yourself. Yeah. And I feel like just playing in shore break around the sand, it's hard to like take yourself too seriously because you're like jumping over waves and like, I don't know, feel like a kid in the sand. It's kind of a, 
I don't know. The, the ground's kind of level for everyone at the beach, which I think is cool. Yeah, it's contagious. Their energy, their like, their vibe, their like joy, their smiles. Like even on some days where you've, I've come out like super like tired and like I'm like, okay, here we are. Where are we? Oh yeah, we're we're like we're doing our camp. And then I'm like, woo! Like I'm not really feeling the woo, but I'm like cheering them yeah. on. And then by the end of it, I'm like, whoa! <laughs> Just because I've seen the stoke on their face, you know. Mm. It really is like an infectious like energy that that kids bring around you and it's really important to have that like intergenerational relationships whether it be with like older adults yeah. and grandparents or whether it be like younger kids like you really just got to always expose yourself to that those those yeah. demographics there in order to like really feel what life is like what's that like mentorship process like for the people that are involved in on your team yeah so the volunteers essentially like the ones who want to dive deeper stick with us through the fall and then the winter they become mentors mm. and what that looks like is essentially like we start off with these big like familia group sessions right and those natural bonds happen where like this volunteer is connected with this student and they like they like love surfing together all the time so then essentially in the in the winter they can go have like a one-on-one session where they can really just drop in with each other and then like that's where like these bonds form that like last a lifetime where like the the relationship from volunteer and student becomes one more of like mentor and like mentee uh and just as like all of us wouldn't like have gone through who are surfers like you don't really surf like in that or learn to surf in like that big of a group like there's only like a certain level it could take you to but like you really progress when it's like one-on-one sessions Mm -hmm. you know with a friend so that's essentially what we're trying to like foster with the mentorship and program. Yeah. So looking ahead, what are some of your, your goals or, um, where do you think you want to take Unmarie de Clores in the future? Yeah. Looking ahead at the future, essentially we only have one chapter right now and we're based out of Encinitas and I want to expand. Uh, that's always been the low hanging fruit. I've always been focusing on dialing in the programming first. And now we're in that place where we, I feel confident in like this whole two years outdoor education program for kids is, is, is in the right spot to carry forward into another spot. So then I want to go into South San Diego and serve predominantly uh, Chula Vista, Imperial Beach, National City, but a lot of those communities. Then I want to open up a chapter in Baja and create this like trans frontera, this trans border community of surfers and ocean stewards between um, Southern San Diego or San Diego in general and Baja. You know, there's already such a, such a culture there, such a, such a culture of surfers that already exists. Like a lot of San Diegan surfers drive down, go to Baja and surf. And uh, um, I feel like it'd just be like a natural progression for our organization to kind of start creating this like globe, this international collective of, of uh, ocean stewards so for someone watching this how can they get involved or learn more about Unmar de Colores yeah so follow us on Instagram we're Unmar de Colores we've got this little blue logo I think we're the only ones and uh, we got a website we have all the volunteer opportunities there and uh, we have a lot of community happenings coming up we have our next surf camp September 9th with the kids and then we have uh, a, f- a premiere of a big movie that we were working on in fall uh, of this year it's called Hado and that's a part of our representation matters initiative but it's based on a Japanese surfer Kondai who wants who's obsessed with the sound of trees and wants to learn how to interpret them 
and then surf them. So it's uh, it's just as much of an art film as it is in surf film. You know, mm-hmm. we're really stoked for that it's coming out November of this year. So, well, cool. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and share a little bit about your story and your perspective. And as First Light Surf Club, I just wanted to give back in a way and um the details will be down in the in the description of this in this uh video podcast but um i want to donate some proceeds of our sales on our merch to and marte chloris so epic yeah, as a way to man. yeah i really appreciate what you're doing it is we're trying to build community i know we're not the only way to build community there's other people that are doing it so well and i really appreciate and admire what you're doing so um yeah i want to do what I can and do what this community can to help. No, that's huge, yeah. dude. That goes a long way for our little grassroots efforts that we got going on. So I appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that's epic. That's cool. cool. Well, thanks for uh, listening, Mario. Thanks for the conversation and hope you enjoy the spotlight session. I'll see you out of first light. <laughs>